The Church of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to this broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, a remnant shall return. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and today we will be continuing the Heavenly Authority series taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. This series is an in-depth, through-the-Bible exploration with a focus on what the scriptures teach about the source and nature of authority. Before we join Pastor Greg for the start of the next sermon in the study, let me invite you to visit us on the web. The website address is www.shiarjashub.org. Now, let's go into the Sunday message. Last week, we began the New Testament portion of our Bible study series on heavenly authority by looking at Jeremiah chapter 31. And we looked at the promise of the new covenant that was promised in the old centuries before. And we said that it was a covenant that would fully satisfy, satiate the weary soul. Verse 25 of Jeremiah chapter chapter 31. That would replenish every sorrowful soul. That it was a covenant that was sweet, not bitter. It was not a covenant of punishment to break down and destroy for the sins but rather a covenant to build up and to plant. Verse 28. It would no longer be a covenant with rewards and punishments based on lineage and inheritance, but rather a covenant based on the individual's response to God. Verse 30. Not according to the covenant of the law at Sinai, which the people broke, but a new covenant based on a real relationship with God, a covenant of the mind and a covenant of the heart, as we read in verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This new covenant would not be a covenant requiring a religious hierarchy, a special class of human priests and intercessors, but one where they shall all, all know God from the least of them to the greatest of them. Verse 34. And then we said it was a new covenant, a new contract based on forgiveness. In verse 34, he says, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. It was a new covenant, a new contract based on grace, prophesied many places, but very specifically here in the prophecies of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And this covenant, this new contract, not like the law which the people broke, 
not based on us being so good and so holy, not one that needs a hierarchy or a lineage, not one of punishment, but of grace, of forgiveness, one where God will actually put his will upon our minds. He will write it upon our hearts, one that will fully satisfy the weary soul. This contract, my friends, is good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, this scripture from Jeremiah is quoted most appropriately in the letter to the Hebrews. So if you look at Hebrews chapter 8, Hebrews chapter 8, I'll start down at verse 7, where the writer of the letter to the Hebrews quotes this section from Jeremiah. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 7, For if that first covenant, the old covenant, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. If the law was sufficient to save us, to change us, to bring us into the kingdom of heaven, there would be no need for a second for a new covenant. Verse 8, because finding fault with them, the fault is not with God, because finding fault with them, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. If you make a contract with someone, you say, I'll do this, and you do that, you have the terms of the agreement. If the other person breaks all the terms of the agreement, are you under any obligation to fulfill your part? The covenant is broken. The contract is voided. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant, the contract, that I will make. So here in Hebrews, he's quoting from Jeremiah, prophesying to the future, and now the writer of the Hebrews is looking back at the fulfillment of it. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. A quote from Jeremiah. It's prophesying to the new, the covenant of grace, the covenant of forgiveness of sins, Verse 13, in that he says a new covenant, right? New covenant spoken of in the old. He has made the first obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. It's literally worn out. Worn out like the old garment. Obsolete, old, fading. Now, a lot of what we're speaking about here is review when we studied the Levitical priesthood, we went ahead to Hebrews, but that was so many, many months, maybe years. 
back that it's good for us to review it again. Uh, one out, obsolete, old, fading. Not abolished. Not abolished. Not destroyed. Not overthrown or nullified. The old contract is foundational. How do you know it's foundational? He's quoting from it. Everything builds upon it. If it was void or um, wrong or an error, why would they quote from it to show the new? Rather, it applied to show mankind how sinful we were. God gives his righteous decrees. If we think we can know good and evil and always do the good and never the evil, if we think we can be like God, the law proved it that we can't. Because human nature, we break the righteous requirements of the law from the very beginning. If God even gives simple precepts for them to do, they can't fulfill it. And so the law was righteous and holy. There are ritualistic things in there that were symbolic of Christ and no longer apply. There are spiritual principles that still apply. But knowing them is not enough. There had to be a contract of grace. And so the first could not make perfect. There was fault because he found fault in them. And a new one was needed, and the first becomes like an old garment, and the new a shining forth that finally solves the problem. When you read the Old Testament, it is the Word of God. It is the covenant of God. We need to know it. We need to memorize it. We need to study it. It points to Jesus. It gives us principles to live our life in this world. But to actually fulfill the old, you can't do it without the new. The new way shining forth in Jesus Christ to save. Salvation. Hosanna. Salvation in the highest. The solution to the problem. All the Old Testament, we have a loving God and a lot of bad news. All the human race from Adam all those thousands and thousands of people before the flood, even Noah's descendants when they get off the ark, he takes Abraham and makes a people onto himself, and even Abraham sins, even Isaac and Jacob sin, David sins, God does miracle after miracle, there are revivals, there are times where it seems like they're going to break through, and then human nature sets in and it becomes darker and darker, and you get periods like, the end of the book of Judges, the time period of the captivity to Syria and Babylon, when it seems like there's no one that seeks the Lord. And then even when they come back in, God does a miracle, and Ezra is a short time before he has to tear his garments and cry out because the people are doing the same things they did before. And what was seen in Israel was a microcosm of the problem of the whole human race. And so there's a need for a new contract, one that's not bitter, one that's sweet, that's based upon God Almighty himself, the work that only the Lord can do, Messiah, our Savior. The writer in Hebrews chapter 9, after quoting Jeremiah and showing that there is this new covenant, this new contract in the old, reviews the old. He says in verse 1, then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and earthly sanctuary. And he goes on to talk about the service of 
uh, and throughout the letter of Hebrews of the priests, the descendants of Aaron. And he talks about, speaks about the tabernacle and the temple and the symbolism of that earthly sanctuary that was built in this world by the hands of men. And he says in verse 3 of uh, chapter 9, speaking about the sanctuary, the holy place, he says, and behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all. You have this most holy place. Obviously, it's still made in this world. It's of the things of this world. But it contained the Ark of the Covenant. It contained the law of Moses. It was the place where the presence of God, the power of God, would come down from heaven. And so it was a type of what? Heaven itself. Being with God. Eternal life with God. It was a physical symbol of how do you get into the holiest place of all, the most holy place, which is really not the tabernacle or the temple or the Jerusalem on earth. It's the Jerusalem in heaven. It is the dwelling place of God, the temple in heaven. If you want to rehear the sermon, you can visit our website at www.shiarjashub.org. The website has an archive of Bible study programs with in-depth analysis as well as anointed preaching. You will also find information about our church, including our 10 a.m. Sunday service. And Pastor Greg is regularly adding written messages for the church today. The address again is www.shear hyphen jashub dot o-r-g. May the Lord bless you as you serve him.